Hey gang, Tim here, and got my hands where gods dwell, the next expansion for the Dream Meter Cycle. If I'm not mistaken, this will take it to, this will end the Dream portion of the campaign. I know there's two sides, I believe that's it because I saw a lot of, um, saw a lot of Narliotep in the, uh, the pack, so I'm assuming that's it, so... I haven't played any of this stuff yet. I'm just going through the player cards now. And I have the player cards in my hand. doesn't feel like there's a lot this time because I think they're coming towards the, the tail end of the, the scenario or the uh, campaign. So just feels a little lighter. But that's okay. We're going to go to Guardians. We're going to review the Empty Vessel. It's a unique Abandoned by the Gods. Uh, put this in your deck. You have to spend 4 XPs. It will cost you 1 to put it out. It is an asset, item, relic, and blessed. You can pitch it for skills, for willpower, and a wild. You can only have one of these per deck, and it has zero charges on it. It's like, well, that makes sense, because it's empty. And as a react, after you defeat an enemy, place one charge on the empty vessel. Okay. And if there's three charges on it, you can go for your bonded cards for Wish Eater, and swap it for the empty vessel. So, what's the Wish Eater? The Wish Eater is Jewel of the Gods. Alrighty. This is an accessory, by the way. And when you reveal a skull, a cultist, a tablet, or elder thing, chaos token during skill test, spend a charge, cancel that chaos token, heal a damage and a whore. If Wish Eater has no charges, search your bonnet cards for empty vessel and swap it back. It's not too bad. Uh, you gotta, you gotta put some charges on this bad boy when you defeat enemies. I mean, I mean, it's good for guardians for sure. It's kind of got that. Uh, this definitely has a mystic vibe to it for sure for canceling. I don't even know if. Uh, oh, what's her name? What's her name from the Mythos Busters? The, the boy that always loves it. Uh, the cultist. Oh, Diana Stanley. Yes, I don't know if he, she can have this though. But. It's kind of refreshing to see that there's a cancel aspect for a chaos token. But you got to defeat enemies to put charges on there. And you got to kill at least three to, to actually get the wish eater out. So, uh, I guess this would play with uh, the right scenario. Obviously, this would flounder in the Miskatonic Museum if you actually did that. So, this might be a mid to late game if I put this in, the, in any deck for, for, for a Guardian build. Uh, it, it's really dependent on having a lot of enemies. I mean, that's just first look at it. That's what I think it is. You're just going to need enemies to pop this thing off a lot of it and just call everything out. And even then, it, I it's very situational because you're going to be drawing, you have to draw one of the special character tokens out of the bag. So I'm okay with it. Uh, it, it I think it's just going to be scenario dependent on this. So I wouldn't buy this right off the rip. Just mid to late game in the campaign, sure, i do it. That is it for the Guardians. Guardians only get one. Uh, we're going to Seekers. Seekers has two new cards. First one is a Myriad. Surprising find. This is a skill. Gives you one Wild Pip. You can put three of them in your deck. It's Fortune and Research. And when you search your deck and Surprising Find amongst the search cards, put into play in your play area, you must commit it to the next eligible skill test you perform. If that skill, if that test is successful, draw a card. Max one research ability per search. Man, this card screams Mandy Thompson all the way. 
because she has the ways of actually digging the deck. Or any any Seekers, too. If they put Mr. Rook in here and, you pot, and you're digging out the cards and looking for your deck, um, that's another good way, too. But the only thing, the only trick is is you have to commit it to the next skill set. You can't even save it. But uh, if it's successful, you get to draw a card. So it might be good when you're, you're clueven and you're already, you know, already shooting the moon with, like, a, a really big plus value on it and get a card out of the deal. But uh, it's not too bad. I mean, you mean for one XP and you get all three of these in your deck? I mean, it's not bad. But this one screams like, ooh, Mandy. Mandy would love to play with this card for sure. So all in all, I think the Myri this one, Myriad, out of all the ones I've seen so far, this one this one has purpose. It, it's definitely useful. It's, it counts as a wild as anything, so you won't get hosed on any test. So it'll still give you a plus one. And if you successfully draw a card, I like it. Wow. Throwback. Old Book of Lore gets an upgrade. Three XPs to put it in. Two cost assets. An item. It's a tome. Takes a hand slot. Uses two secrets. Exhaust Old Book of Lore. Choose an investigator at your location. That investigator searches the top three cards of their deck for a card and draws it and shuffles their deck. Then you may spend a secret to have that investigator immediately play that card, reducing it by two. I think that's it right there, man. That added that final line. So now I, now I wish I got to look up the old one. So, Arkham DB, here I come. Let me look at the old book of Lord. Does it split off on the cost? Nah, well, yeah. I mean, reduces the cost by one and gives you an intellect and a willpower. So, it's not too shabby. I mean, the book of Lore. Yeah, it's just that one line. I mean, you get to have that immediately, have that card being played, reducing its cost by two. This is great for tag teaming, man. Especially if you got a Guardian or something like that that needs, like, some extra ammo or a really expensive gun. Reduce that Lightning Gun by two. That is awesome. I mean, it's a one-shot, though. It's going to remove both of those secrets. But, hey, um, this is a great support card. I dig this one, too. I dig it. I, I I can see the value in this for sure, especially if you're not playing solo and you're doing you know a support role in multiplayer. This card is fantastic. I really like it. I like it a lot because it doesn't even cost that person to play an action, man. They could just, boom, just put it out immediately, reducing its cost by two. That is good. That's really good. I dig it. I dig it, and I think three is well worth uh, the cost for this bad boy. So if anyone's running like, you know, Daisy with this, with this, absolutely. So, all right, Seekers, they got a good batch of cards this round. We're going to Rogues. Garot Wire. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I know what it is. It's the cliche thing with the piano wire with the, the two metal, uh, wooden handles and you're just choking a person out. So, uh, which is appropriate because this picture here is sitting on a, on a piano. So, two cost asset. It's an accessory. Eh, it doesn't even take up a hand slot. Okay, item, weapon. Uh, you can pitch this card for a fight, uh, for a skill check. Uh, during your turn, you can exhaust the wire and fight. You get plus two for this attack. Use only an enemy with exactly one remaining health. <laughs> I'm looking at you, <laughs> crappy little acolytes. <laughs> I get it why it's an accessory now. So... Uh, it kind of hinders you on that one health remaining thing, but man, rats, get the wire. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really hinder you. I mean, if you're not running an accessory slot for rogues, it's not a bad card for what it does. It just limits you on exactly uh, an enemy with one health remaining, but it, it definitely gets rid of the low-level pudge for sure. Just wire it all up. Yeah, during your turn, exhaust it and then fight. Yeah, get plus two for the attack. It's not a bad little uh, accessory option. I think this card is a little more toolboxy for it, but uh, if this was like a hand slot, I'm like, no, absolutely not. But not bad for rogues. Next one is an ally, Delilah O'Rourke. Syndicate Assassin. She's a three-cost asset. You need three XPs to put it in the deck. Uh, for skill, you can get an agility and a strength. She's an ally. She's a criminal. She's syndicate. Uh, three health, two sanity. Uh, that's pretty good. That's really good. And then, ooh, she gives statics. All right, plus one strength and agility. So I like that for the cost. It feels like a different version of, like, Peter Sylvester, at least for this stat line anyways. But her ability is, instead of, like, Peter Sylvester, get to remove the whore, you can exhaust her and spend X resources. Choose an enemy your location and deal a damage to the chosen enemy. Two damage instead if that enemy is exhausted. And X is the chosen enemy's evade value. So it's kind of like an indirect one-point of damage that you can give to something, providing you have resources. So... If you can generate cash, like a lot of cash, I'm looking at like Jenny or uh, even Preston. Yeah, I can see the value in this one too. I mean, she's quite priced and she can take a little bit of a beating too. And you get the static. So I think the other portion is the bonus there just for her down there. I like this one too. This is another good one. I mean, I, I can see more value in this in rogue decks for sure. So not too bad. Rogues got a couple decent cards there's only one for the mystics and i think this was spoiled it was summon hound so you get to call the hound of ten uh ten out ten alos ten alos ten i'll go with that ten alos summon hound it's a three cost asset one xp to put one of these in your deck it's an ally it's a summon i'm surprised this isn't a well it does take a spell slot it doesn't call spell though so you can't dig for this so that's kind of odd. It is an ally. Gives you three uh, the allies for three. But as an additional cost to summon the hound, you must search your bonded cards for one copy of an unbound beast and shuffle into your deck. They give you two copies, one for each summon hound. And the unbound beast is threes all across the stat line. Three fighting, three wounds, three on the agility. Uh, praise on the bear, hunter, and retaliate. If there are no copies of Summon Hound in play, set Unbound Beast aside, out of play. Otherwise, set an Investigator Summon Hound aside, out of play, with the spawn Unbound Beast engaged with the same Investigator. All right, so what happens to trigger the Unbound Beast? Oh, it's just it just gets shuffled into your deck. So uh, you must search your bonded cards for one copy of the Unbound Beast and shuffle into your deck. Okay, so it can eventually turn on you. Eh, you might let go of the leash. <laughs> That's some slick artwork, though, man. That's really cool, man. It's got, like, a little lightning bolt, like, leash going on, this demon hellhound dog. It's awesome. Sweet artwork. All right, so three, um, you can take three points of damage, and during your turn, except during an action, oh, so you got to do this in between actions, so... Whatever actions you have, you gotta use this uh, his ability in between actions, and it's gotta be during your turn. All right, so exhaust summon hound, 
and they can either fight or evade, and it either gives you plus five for the fighting or five for the uh, investigate. Huh. This feels like a watered-down Duke. I mean, it, it gets a pump value of five instead of fours for Duke, but Duke at least do one point of damage, and if we're in the investigate, he has the built-in you know move ability prior to, to investigating. So, <sighs> Mystics, man, with spells, they're already jammed up as it is. So, I don't know. If this thing it has a more of an upgraded version of Summon Hound for, you know, the, have another effect, but at least a plus one damage, man. Crank up the XP or at least the cost of the Summon Hound to make it do that. I think it'd be well worth it. But I, I kind of get it, though, because uh, the biggest weakness is by throwing the Unbound Beast and your guy can... It might like randomly come out, and you're gonna lose the leash, and it's gonna attack you. So that portion I do get. Oh, and by the way, he, if the unbound beast, if it, it's engaged with you, and it's in, during the enemy phase or an attack opportunity, it'll hit you for one meat damage and one sanity. Huh. I kind I like, I like it because he's he's kind of beefy at three. Uh, he does take the ally slot and a spell slot. It's just really cramped with the spells, man. I mean. You only get two slots, three if you play another couple cards to, to get that uh, cell slot open. So, eh, verdicts out for this one. I, I'll, I'll have to play. I have to play around with this one to see how this one goes. But I know this was spoiled. I think in an article. So, all right, we got Survivor. Survivor only gets one, and this one is a zero cost event, three XP to put out. And this card is nothing left to lose. It's Spirit. Mm, could be for Calvin. Eh, it could be for, uh, uh, no, that's not, that's blessed. I was thinking blessed for uh, Father Mateo, but spirit cards. Um, nothing left to lose. It gives you a wild pip if you're committing this to a skill test. If you have fewer than five resources, gain resources until you have five. Then, if you have fewer than five cards in hand, draw cards since you have five cards in hand. Remove nothing left to lose from away game. You know, the more I play this game, the more and more I like the Survivor cards. They don't feel like they're a lot of bang for the buck. But let me tell you, man, there's a few games, and I'll talk to it afterwards, that Survivor, man, I, I really been digging Survivor. They just find, they, I wouldn't say tricky. They have crazy ways of handling things and, and then getting out of tight spots or taking care of things when it's needed. You can't rely on it all the time, but man... Now, this one here, too, this is great. I mean, you have to remove it from the game, but oh well. I mean, if you get a free shot. Man, this, too, man, if you get hit with amnesia, where you lose your resources, or paranoia. I might be flip-flopping that, where you have to discard all your cards in your hand. This is a great way to recover your cards. And it doesn't cost anything. These are amazing. I like these, too. I like this, too. Uh, XP cost for it, three. Yeah, I can see why. And it's got the violinist... In the picture, just hop-stepping around. It looks like the uh, Dreamlands, for sure. But uh, I like it. This one's another good one. Uh, very good. Especially if uh, you're uh, playing a true Survivor class, for sure. Yeah, it's another good one. I really like this one, too. And we got a new neutral card. It's the Black Cat. Black Cat is unique. Five XPs for a two-cost asset. It is an ally. The the black cat will hang around. It's a liar, or a prophet, or both. Ally Avatar Dreamlands. Uh, it's a 3-3 ally. Anytime you reveal a tablet, elder thing, 
or elder sign symbol during skill test, you may choose the you may choose the following effects instead of that symbol's normal effects. So you don't have to do it, but if it works into your advantage where you need it, then you can do this. So if you do draw a tablet, it's minus one to the check instead, and Black Cat takes a direct damage. Okay. Uh, elder thing, it's a minus one, and Black Cat would take direct horror. If you draw an elder sign, instead of whatever the ability you have on your card, you can make it a plus five. And then heal all damage from the horror from the Black Cat. So plus five is really good. I mean that's a that's uh that's really good. For two. Two cost asset. Oh, and you can pitch this for two wild pips on a skill check. Yeah, our work's pretty creepy too. I don't know if I trust this cat either. Probably is a liar. But uh three three. Uh it's a good way of getting around things. And we're at three three ally for two. It's cost effect. The only thing is is the price, man. Five XP to put one of these black kitties in here. So, yeah, I mean, I can, I, I can see this. I, I can definitely see this if you're mitigating. And I think this card will probably shine a lot better if you're playing, like, Harder Expert because I know a lot of those symbols with uh, the tablets and the Elder things are a lot more unforgiving. Um, I don't know if this will work very well with Carcosa because those, those always change in the bag all the time for the special symbol characters from scenario to scenario. But I can see value if you plug in this in with Dunwich or any of the other ones. Carcosa would be the only one that's kind of flighty on this one. I wouldn't necessarily put the black cat in right off the rip. Uh, but uh, it, it's not bad for what it is if you got five XPs. And it's cheap for a two-cost ally. So, and that will uh, wrap it up. All in all, I, I think it's all right. I mean, for what the cards you have here, I mean, it's, uh, it feels kind of light. But I know we're getting at the tail end of the Dream Eater. So we only got one expansion left. There wasn't as many, and there was a lot of more of the uh, encounter and scenario cards for where gods dwell. So, uh, a couple notes. I'm still going on with uh, Marvel. Marvel's still going on very, very well. I'm still testing out a couple more decks there. Uh, Lord of the Rings, too, as well. We just finished the Dwarf Cycle, if you're following that. I kind of dig it. Uh, I do have appreciation with LOTR. As I'm going through these uh, scenarios and stuff like that for the first time. Especially now, because now a lot of these scenarios I'm going to be playing, I'm going to be completely unfamiliar with. Uh, as for the Arkham Horror phase, um, cool thing is, is one of my local gaming shops, Immortals Inc. You can Google that, by the way. Uh, it's a local shop in Cleveland, in one of the suburbs. And um, they reached out to me, and they wanted to run Arkham Horror. Uh, the, the car store owner really loves Call of Cthulhu, so... A uh, guy named Carlos, he loves uh, Call of Cthulhu, Delta Green, um, any of that kind of crazy stuff he just really digs in. He, he came up to him and, and, and put out the the, uh, the event for uh, AH and wanted me to uh, come on down and run it. So I've been taking uh, with my son and Carlos, and we're, I've been teaching him the rules, going right through with Night of the Zealot, put it on easy. Give him the easy character to play with. He likes rolling, you know, shoot first, ask questions later. Um, he likes it. He really digs it. And he's hoping it's going to bring out more more people in the Cleveland area to uh, play more Arkham Horror. Because he, he really does see, love the value because he, he did call it. It's an RPG light. He, he likes the subtle changes with your deck. Um, you know, honestly, it, it can be a little bit of a cash cow. But with any LCG, it is because you're paying a subscription, you know, 15 to $30 a month, depending on what's coming out. Uh, but he really likes it, and I told him, I said, don't worry about a thing, because I, I got it all. I got it all. Let me just run it. So my son, 
it's kind of interesting. So I'm playing Ashcan. My son is playing Rex. And Carlos is playing Roland. I did a straight Roland build, nothing crazy. I did through First Watch in there, and that has helped us a couple times in multiplayer games. So he gets to divvy it out because sometimes I might be wrecked on, on damage or whore and, and vice versa with my son for Rex. And uh, we've been moving along. So we got to the, just yesterday, we just got to the second scenario for the Midnight Masks. And it was so amazing. So my son got kind of flighty. We got five out of the six cultists. We were all getting kind of banged up, and we were running out of time. My son's like, we got to resign, we got to resign, we got to resign, we got to resign, we got to resign. And I'm like, ah, oh, don't resign, dude. And it's like, ah, oh. I can't say anything. I wanted to say don't resign yet. And then Carlos, he's the lead investigator. It, Roland says, no, we're going to go and see this through the entire end. I'm not backing down. I want to see what happens. I was like, sweet, all right, let's see what happens. I didn't want to tell him, and I didn't want to spoil anything, because this is the first time actually going through it. And... Uh, I was sitting out on the north side, and my son got all the clues that he needed to get. So in the three-player game, we had to spend six clues uh, to get um, that last investigator, uh, that last cultist out. I didn't plan it, and it's been a while since I played Night of the Zealot. But I was sitting there on the north side, and lo and behold, I drew that cultist sitting on the north side, spawned it, and I was able to parlay it with five resources. And I had like a holy crap moment. I, this is the first time since playing this game, even on easy. I think it's it's amazing uh, that I was actually able to do it, or we were actually able to do it. We got all six cultists, and I'm like, wow. Usually you feel good, we get four or five, but man, I, we got all six on the last turn. So Carlos immediately made fun of my son on Facebook and posted it's like, <laughs> eh, somebody wanted a bug out. It's like, yeah, that sneaky reporter, you can't trust him. But uh, it's one of those little shining moments. I'm like, yeah, that's just awesome it's just exciting it's like that's just amazing it's the little things and you know honestly we're probably going to die a horrible death you know finding a, a more a more radath or methoth whatever the 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 bane boss is for the next one so but it's the little things it's just uh, the progress and how to get there and 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 take them small victories it's like one of those rules in zombie land just enjoy the little things and i definitely enjoyed that so he really keyed up his interest on it, so now he's making it. After we finish the Night of the Zelda campaign, he wants it a mainstay, as long as my travel permits me to. Thankfully, I'm kind of like uh, locked down because of the coronavirus, so I can't travel for work anymore, at least until April 30th. Um, but uh, I said, yeah, I got my Mondays completely open, so he's going to put more. He took a lot of pictures. He's going to put more in there, and he's giving me like a, you know, uh, uh you know, a uh, little bit of an incentive, you know, giving me a discount for any of the stuff there. And I told him, I, it's not needed. I just enjoy showing the game to others. And that's what it's all there for. And honestly, if you look around with between Mythos Busters, Drawn to the Fame, and there's a lot of other good podcasts, uh, MUR, um, they're, they're all good stuff. And you know what, though? None of them is just anal or anything like that or, or toxic. It's just, it's just an inviting community here. I mean, it's just a lot of fun. I mean, honestly, it's no better time to play Arkham Horror right now, and, and that and that's evident too, and I'm trying to spurn that up here in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, because it is a great game. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it tells a story. Um, heck, one scenario just took us almost like two hours for a three-player game, and that's fine. I mean, it's a blast. I mean, we don't have to, like, Iron Man it like, uh, <laughs> like Mythos Busters is doing, but uh, it it's great. It's enjoyable, and I highly recommend it, and if you're listening for this long, then you honestly must like it too. So, 
that will wrap it up for here. Uh, I see that we're going to have a new product announcement next week on March 19th with FFG. I don't know what it is. Maybe some tchotchkes like an Etsy. I have no idea. Uh, also, an Arkham News today, uh, in about 10 minutes as I'm recording this, they're going to announce a new expansion for Arkham Horror 3rd Edition. Now, I have not played 3rd Edition. I own almost all of 2nd Edition, and I do like it. Um, you know, all the uh, uh, fiddly stuff and, and so on, and then quick games, you know, if you get hosed on too many gates opening. I still like it. it it's still near and dear to my heart. I, I do enjoy it. Also, the other thing, too, is me and my son uh, lately has been playing Elder Sign. He's been digging it. We've been playing uh, Gates of Arkham, and wow, what a big difference, man. We got hosed on a couple of them, but it's a lot of fun. I mean, honestly, I would have to say, not even with the other one, I think that was what the, the Blessing Curse Dice, I forget what the heck that, that expansion was, but with the Gates of Arkham, that is, if you have Elder Sign, and all it is is Cthulhu Yahtzee. Pick up Gates of Arkham. Gates of Arkham is just awesome. It completely changes the game. Uh, gates open up. Gates close. It kind of has that Arkham Horror Second Edition vibe that I that I like, and we we enjoyed it. So we played uh played Yig, handled Yig very easily. Um, did a couple other uh, ones. We got like pumped with the Galaki. I mean, just <laughs> we had no hope. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. I mean, just for a quick dice chucker, it takes about forty five minutes because it's just me and my son playing it. Check out Elder Sign. And on top of that, too, you can probably find that cheap at, you know, Amazon, wherever, if not your local gaming shop. Uh, and I know it's still in print, but yeah, uh, we're digging it. I might bust out one of the omens because you got Pharaoh, Ice, and Deep. And I know the Deep is kind of like pseudo like uh, Elder Sign's omens, where you can play the Cthulhu campaign. And it's the same thing with uh, Ithaca, uh, it's the, the Icy Demon. So you're you're trouncing around the the not the Antarctic, but you're tra- trouncing around through Alaska, fighting Yetis and stuff like that. And you got to rig around with supplies. So that's the other one too. And then you got the Pharaohs, where you're dealing a lot with uh, Narlachap and the uh, the masks. So I haven't really played with any of those yet, but we're probably going to itch and start playing with that shortly. So with that, take a look at Facebook. I've been putting a lot more photos of all the family games we were playing. I mean. Um, this is kind of a family podcast. I, I have been showing other games that me and my kids and my family have been playing with, even the silly games. We bust that out apples to apples. We're playing Stuff Happens um, that you would pick up at Walmart, which is very, very silly. I wouldn't suggest Stuff Happens all the time because you'll, you'll start knowing stuff, and you'll know it if you actually Google and see it. The game's called Stuff Happens where it's, it's got a misery index. It kind of plays like Timeline. Where I actually like timeline a bit more because you get a little history out of it. And timeline is you have a row, and then you got to figure out, you know, uh, if it's an important event or an invention or something that happened in the world, and you got to squeeze it in between the dates on your timeline. And if you're right, you're great. It's great, and you move on. Uh, if you're wrong, you discard it, and you got to wait until your next turn. And then the first one that gets ten cards in their timeline uh, wins. Now that I think about it, that's what it is. It's exactly what it is because Stuff Happens is just a ripoff of uh, the Timeline series from Asmodee. That's crazy. Now that I'm just sitting there talking about it, that's exactly what it is. It's just like it, what Misery Index is. It's like, all right, it, it, I don't know how they rate it. They rate it in their own circumstances. Like, hey, you lose a toenail. How do you feel in Misery? The, they might be eight. It's a scale of zero to 100. It's like eight, maybe 20. Maybe to- you don't know what the you don't know what the rating is because it's not like where it's a strict date or something like that with timeline. 
Uh, so you just have to go with it. I mean, some of this is like some real head scratchers. I mean, um, there's like the funny ones like fart, fart at someone's funeral. Eh, the misery index is like low, 16 or something like that. But they, 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 they it's the, the really difficult ones is where they get the higher ups where I think it's personally, it should be more miserable than what it is. And they rate it like low at like 40 or 30. And I'm like, what? I'm like, get the heck out of here. No way. So. Don't check out timelines. I mean, it's a little, it's a little dice game and or not a dice game, a little card game, and uh, they have lots of expansions. So if you get tired of it or you start memorizing the dates, throw in a couple more expansions because it, it it bleeds in into that too as well. That's fun and it's great for the kids too as well. All right, I've rambled on for almost thirty minutes here on this. So with that, check me out on Facebook, Arkham's Kids. Like me, post, do whatever you like. Uh, just let me know you're out there. Uh, you can get a hold of me at arkhamskids at gmail.com. Uh, if anything else exciting happens, uh, I'll post stuff up. Until then, I'm still running Thursdays for LOTR. New one's going to be dropping out on Thursday. I'm going to go through with Patrice, the violinist, through the Forgotten Age. Don't worry about that. I'm still working on that, too, as well. So until then, don't draw them tentacles. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Mm-hmm.